Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking to stay pretty hot here, Nate, in the early NBA season on a full Wednesday night slate here. About 10 games to bring to you guys. Want to make sure you are liked and subscribed to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We are bringing you these game lines, videos, and our player props each and every weekday of this regular season. I should mention we are talking about a marquee matchup in this one, Nate, in the Eastern Conference. The Nets are in Milwaukee taking on those bucks, getting to all things that here in just a moment. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have all of our great written content for you guys all season long. Also have our odds finder tool on there that you can go ahead and use to shop all of those NBA lines to the best of your ability across U.S. sportsbooks. Nate's let, Nate, let's go ahead and get into that big slate for tonight in the NBA. Yeah, one week into the season. I mean, we're starting to get a little bit of an idea of how things are going, but really uh, things are really still developing. So there's some opportunities here to bet low uh to buy low on some uh, on some spreads and totals and just going through the lines real quick we got magic plus eight at the Cavs, hawks minus seven at detroit detroit on a back-to-back there the nets like you said at milwaukee the spread right now minus three and a half for the bucks the total at 232 the hornets are plus seven and a half at your knickerbockers the sixers minus one and a half at toronto in a playoff rematch there Pacers plus seven and a half at Bulls. The Spurs are still in Minnesota, plus nine at Mini. We're going to talk about that game in a minute. The old home and home in the same week. Weird schedule there. Rockets plus seven at Utah. They also played on Monday, but in Houston. The Lakers are plus five and a half at Denver. And then the Heat minus two at the only undefeated team in the NBA currently, the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, oh, yeah. The Bucks one and one. Wait, the Bucks are undefeated. They're just the Blazers are the only four and O team. Okay, yeah, the Bucks are right, right, right. Um, and really the first thing that jumps out is that their their numbers are kind of skewed by that opener against Philly, a 90-88 win with a 92 pace. Uh Milwaukee's offense was putrid, their defense was incredible. And they're currently the best defensive team in the league because then their second game against Houston, also pretty good defense, but they put up 125 on a bad defense. Um, and, you, you know, Brooklyn, by the numbers, is the worst defense in the league, and it's not particularly close. They're the worst rebounding team in the league, and it's not particularly close. Uh, they, they're getting 29 defensive rebounds per game. 29. <laughs> When you have have like 50 plus defensive possessions, you're only getting a defensive board on 29 of them. I'm just going to repeat that again. Uh, Yeah. So they can't get rebounds. (laughs) You're giving up 14 offensive rebounds per game. And in comes the hulking bucks with Giannis and Brooke Lopez healthy down low. The Bucks are going to depend on their interior play until they get Middleton back. Uh, and But they've also been efficient from the three-point line in on lower numbers than usual, shooting 40% from deep. Um, you look at the recent history, the Bucks have always kind of bullied this team down low, winning the rebound advantage. The The Nets won a game that won one out of their last six meetings in the regular season. The Nets won. KD was actually out for that game. But it was really some stellar role players perf- performing there. Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, James Johnson guarding Giannis. Uh, Kyrie had 38 in one of his return from hiatus games. Um, so, 
I mean, the point is none of those role players are around anymore. The Nets role players stink, and some of them are just out injured, um, and that's partially why they can't figure anything out. And the lineups with Ben Simmons are just abysmal. Um, he has an individual 123 defensive rating. With KD, him and KD on the floor, they're minus 30 with a 135 defensive rating. Him and Claxton, minus 20. Surprisingly, the defense is worse than the offense in that combination. And surprisingly, with Simmons and Irving on the floor, again, minus 20. But the 97 offensive rating, it's like what Kyrie can't get the right spacing with this guy floating around in no man's land, refusing to shoot the ball. Uh, Brooklyn also dead last in three-point percentage allowing 55 paint points per game. I mean, it's I, I it's at risk of saying like something's got to give here. Like the, the Nets might turn it around and play for some pride um, in, in a potential like Eastern Conference semifinals preview, whatever you want to call it. But even when they play kind of well against the Bucs, they will still lose. I mean, the last meeting, Bucs won in overtime. The Bucks had a 17 to 22 assist to turnover ratio and shot 28% from three and won the game. They, the Nets, the Nets had doubled up their assist to turnover ratio. And how did they win? Because Giannis had 44, he had 19 free throw attempts and they won the rebounding battle by 10. I mean, just no rebounds, no rings, no regular season wins. Uh, and so that's where you go with the Bucks here. At, if you can get him a minus three and a half, I think that's fine. I also don't mind teasing it down because I think you can bet overs consistently with this Nets team. And if you tease that total to 228, I don't really see how it goes under that, the way the Nets are playing um, and, and the way the Bucks. I think you're getting some value on the over because of their their opener and they've only played two games. Yeah, you you, you make a lot of good points there. The, the, the you know First of all, I do, I'm just going to go right back. I don't want to interrupt you because you were rolling, but I did want to say on those 29 off, uh, defensive rebounds that they're getting a game, they're giving up 93 field goal attempts. Do the math on that. Uh, they're they're giving them 93 field goal attempts and they're playing at the seventh slowest pace. That's the other insane thing is like they're just giving up second chance points, you know, by the by the you know dozen here uh, by the 14 or so a game. Um, and they're you know, they're giving up shots and, and not getting possessions on offense and giving up possessions on defense. And it's just all all bad. And, and that stat that you mentioned about the Bucks, um, you know, and their, their poor assist to turnover ratio minus five, yet they're winning, you know, they're, they're beating this team by a couple points last season in overtime. That's, that's just, that's all of it. You, you can make as many mistakes as you want and, and you're still fine. Right. It's like playing whatever, whoever the, 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 whoever the worst offense is in the NFL, it doesn't matter if you turn the ball over, you might be able to get it back. It'll probably hold them to a field goal and you'll have more opportunities to score against a really bad defense. And that's, that's this Nets team, which is just, it's it's a little bit painful to watch. I mean, the, the the key thing that you're talking about here is like there's no shooting around KD, and there's there's no shooting around him or Kyrie. So this is not a, a two man league, and then it doesn't matter who's on your team anymore. We know that role players are crucial at this point, um, and that, that that depth to that degree is is also super crucial um, for those second quarter units, and and obviously into the the late third quarter, the second units there. So um, all these things, just you know, KD points, yes. I, we're, we're going to talk about that. Um, all of that. He's he's really selling out, and that's pretty obvious. Um, his usage rates at 34%, dropping 32 points a game. Um, his his 
three-point shooting hasn't been there, but the whole team hasn't been there. And it's all catch and shoot. Um, they're also in the bottom of the league in terms of uh, assisted field goals uh, on their on their threes and two-pointers. doesn't matter where they're shooting from. It's all unassisted stuff going in. Uh, obviously, still in the top five and two-point mid-range when you have Kyrie and KD, who's, you know, KD, obviously, that's his, that's his go-to. Um, so I, there's not a lot to like here for that, um, you know, for Brooklyn in any way. I'm fine with the minus three and a half. I, the thing that scares me about that total at 233 and a half is one, that Bucks defense. Um, and to the the lack of offense and explosiveness that the Bucks have shown so far this season. I mean, Giannis going to Giannis, right? And, and average a double-double, almost 13 boards a game. He's even got the almost six assists a game to go along with nearly 33 points a game. So he's playing like his MVP self. Uh, but it's really the, the lack of scoring uh, and, and pace and explosiveness behind him with Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, uh, Grayson Allen. Those are those are the only guys scoring outside of Giannis at this point. They're all in double digits, which is nice. But, you know, Brooke is their second-leading scorer at 13 points a game. Game, um, and, and that's in 30 minutes. I don't think you, you really want him playing that 30 minutes. I think you'll see his minutes continue to wane a bit as Bobby Porter's continues to get back into his role as well. So, look, I mean, they're, they're short guys, and that's the only reason that I think this spread is, you know, even at three and a half is what it is. In Milwaukee, you just you got to feel a bit better about the Bucks team who, who, you know, they didn't play like their normal Bucks selves at home last year, whereas the previous two years they were, you know, they had something like a 75% winning percentage at home. Uh, but I do still think that, that that's a huge advantage for them this season um you know and, and will continue to be even though i will finish by saying brooklyn doesn't really have home court advantage wherever they are at this point so i'm not sure they're worried about playing on the road either yeah i mean going back to what you said about role players i think that's the biggest deal here because the bucks haven't played since the 22nd that is a huge amount of rest for guys like george hill and wes matthews who are now forced into big roles because of their injuries on the wing uh, George Hills are extremely efficient when he gets out there. He was a plus 20 in their last game uh, in 24 minutes and you get him a little extra rest. Now he can play big minutes, um, you know, do a decent job guarding Kyrie and maintain that efficiency on offense. What you said about the Bucks defense being scary, too scary to take the over. I would say that that probably makes sense in terms of them guarding a Sixers team still figuring it out in that in that second game of the season, but the the Nets right now. I mean, we talked about it. It's like is K, are KD and Kyrie going to play both ends of the floor? Or are they just going to put up their empty stats and move on and maintain their career averages? Because that's what it looks like right now. It looks like you know the the bottom tier of NBA power rankings: Nets and Lakers. Let's play joyless basketball and put up some numbers. Uh, and try not to be a complete laughing stock because that's that's where they're at until they get some some help um, from Mr. Simmons or from these guys who are still out. T.J. Warren, Markeith Morris maybe can add some toughness rebounding on the defensive end. Uh, and when you're giving up that many second chance points, that'll help your numbers. It, certainly, uh, certainly these teams have gone to 230 at least. In their last four games, now three of those went under because the totals were much higher. But that's what I'm saying is that if you tease it down to 228, 229, I feel very confident about that. I mean, the Nets, what, in their last game, they hit 270 with Memphis, a, another team that crashes the glass, that attacks that attacks the paint and has a, a, an unstoppable penetrator it, it, like John Morant and and like Giannis, who's, who just continually brings it against this um, – Nets team and and the last thing yeah I'll look at for an angle is is the double double and a win for Giannis is minus one fifteen and Fanduel that's a nice money line hack instead of minus one seventy five I mean he has a double double in eight of his last nine against the Nets averaging thirteen boards 
against this team, which, like we said, can't rebound. Yeah, I, Giannis is going to have eight boards by the half for sure. That that, that would be my prediction. So um, I think it's be one of those games that you know you look up and all of a sudden it's like twelve two bucks. Uh, and, and Giannis has six points and a couple of rebounds. Even if they don't start out that hot, um, I, you are starting to really convince me on this over. Just in those three games that I've seen the Nets play this season. I mean, the last game that we saw them play was against Memphis. And so, like, I don't put quite as much stock in that initially as as I do. You know, I think they obviously Memphis plays a lot faster, fast break. But to your point, it's the same style of play. Like, they're, they're very, very similar, except for, obviously, the amount of threes that Milwaukee shoots. Milwaukee's a lot more threes, fast break threes fast break memphis is fast break fast break fast break crash the offensive glass crash the offensive glass so there's some similarities there that i think does increase the pace you look at the only game that that the nets went um well that they went under um once in that toronto game uh you know where, where that was a much lower scoring game but obviously against the pellies another similar style of offense um with a lot of great wing players and then a, a penetrator like zion another game that went way over and the nets didn't even do their part in that game they only scored 108 and that still went uh you know to what to one th- 238 or so right in that total so i i, I i'm sorry to, to really realize the Nets, whoever they play, if they play another uh, fast-paced team who wants to, you know, go crash the glass and get out and transition, then they're then they're toast. And, and like I said, they're playing at the 24th fastest pace, so the seventh slowest, and they're still barely getting enough possessions and giving up a ton of defensive possessions. So uh, they just have a lot to fix, man, and they don't have the players or the horses to fix it, in my opinion. As we keep talking about, a la the Lakers, you just you need three and D guys, and, and they don't have it right now. So we're looking at this. Spurs Wolves game and if Devin Vassell is not able to go tonight I think you'd see the spread climb to double digits but I'm having a little trouble uh doubting the Spurs at this juncture I mean the thing is though they've been sneaking up on people right they snuck up on the on the Sixers um they they looked like maybe the worst team in the NBA in their opener but then People aren't taking them seriously, thinking they're tanking. And so they've won three in a row, kind of just sneaking up. But they're not going to sneak up on Minnesota for the second straight game. The thing is, Minnesota's not that good. I mean, they they made the big move for Rudy Gobert, and they lost four rotational players in the process. Uh, four glue guys. I mean, they're, I mean, two particularly important, I think, in Pat Bev and Jared Vanderbilt, who's a quicker, more switchable big that you can put alongside Cat and play a little bit of better defense. I mean, the defense hasn't been the problem, though. It's right. It's the spacing. It's the offense with Rudy and Cat on the floor, which was always the concern. Um, And with Anthony Edwards not really coming out of the gates the way people might expect him to. That being said, I think this is get right time for their offense, uh, which is shooting 29% from three. That's not going to last. I think this was the best three-point shooting team in the league last year, right? Um, the Spurs, yeah, and, and they went over at a ridiculous rate at home, scored the most points in the league in home games. Um, the total, like I said, has already crept up three points, and I'm a little nervous about the Spurs continuing what they did, but their their defense down the stretch has been abysmal, uh, particularly the fourth quarter, giving up 36 points per game, most in the league by far. So whether you take the Wolves team total, I think they get 120 tonight. Um, I think they they try to clap back on that end of the floor. And I'm a little I wouldn't necessarily take them to cover 10 points because I, I don't think that they figured out their rotations and their spacing yet. But I think that they do find a rhythm on offense against the Spurs team that that is, 
you know, rebuilding certainly um, doesn't really have a, a bunch of wing stoppers in any sense of the word. So there, there is opportunities here for Minnesota to push the pace a little bit more and get, get going. It's crazy that they're ninth in pace and they're still getting 103 possessions per game and the Spurs third in pace. So I understand the over here. Uh, but I think, yeah, what I lean towards is the Wolves bouncing back on offense. And if if I'm pressed to, to, to pick the spread, I think the Spurs can cover double digits here and at least keep it close. If not, uh, you know, pull out another stunner. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy that we were about to start this video, talk about, um, you know, talk about this total. And, and we hadn't realized since we started recording and, and really talking about other stuff this morning. Um, that that spread had that total had already jumped from what we liked it at at about two thirty two or so, all the way up to two thirty five in a very short amount of time. I, I mean, look, the nine points is like I'm kind of I'm also just like I'm going to take that until the the Timberwolves show me they're actually like they can play better than the Spurs. Um, same concept as these teams that are struggling off the bat. You know, uh, the 76ers have another big game tonight after they lost to the Spurs recently, but in, finally got in the win column. But, they, you know, they have a big game tonight as well um, uh, against the Raptors. That is, it's kind of like, all right, show me something. And this Timberwolves team is the same concept here with the Spurs. Like, show me something. And, w- and what I mean specifically is show me that all these guys can play on offense at the same time. Show me that, like, Rudy Gobert isn't messing everything up uh, with, with Carl Anthony Towns. Tell me that, you know, Ant Edwards, uh, is going to come back and, and look like the explosive player that he was last year. Those are all the things that I'm, I'd be waiting to see because none of that stuff is, is going on right now. Uh, Kat and, and Rudy on the floor taking a quick look at their two-man lineup. Uh, not that great. It is a plus net rating of about two. Um, but, you know, that, that offensive rating is at 109 for the two of them when they're on the floor together. It's just it's not good enough for a team that last year relied on, you know, scoring, scoring, scoring and just you score 128, we'll score 132 if we want to win this game. So you still have to like a, a total. I, I think Vassell being out does hurt you from the standpoint that you don't have that much scoring on San Antonio to stick to stick around. He's one of the two, maybe three guys that you feel comfortable being able to score 20 plus points on this team outside of Pirtle and uh, Kelvin Johnson. It's it's a pretty thin roster, obviously. Josh Primo trying to come off the bench and, and be that spark as well. But um, I think mostly for for um, for San Antonio, what you're looking at this season is like, like you were talking about. They're just playing with a ton of pace and they're they're playing pretty good defense. They're getting steals and they're at least getting um, you know getting out in transition that way, which is what they need because that half court offense doesn't really scare you there's no one that that really you feel that can take another player off the dribble one-on-one they really don't have a single guy to break down the defense like that it's really passing which is why they're doing well. They're number one in assist percentage. They have five guys scoring at least 12 points a game. Um, Minnesota allowing the most assists per game. Uh, as we say, again, last season, they were also that bad on defense. There's no communication there. Rudy has not come in and shown that he's able to impact anything outside of just keeping people out of the paint, which he's able to do. But that wing defense is so atrocious right now for Minnesota. Um, you know, you, you can't feel good about it. So um, I think, you know, for getting right in this game for Minnesota, what does that look like? Uh, they have to take care of the ball. For sure. I mean, they have the fifth most turnovers, fifth lowest assist percentage, leading to the fifth worst assist to turnover ratio. Um, unsurprisingly, they allow the second most fast break points. So they, it's just obviously you're going to allow fast break points when you turn the ball over 18 times a game or 16 times a game, whatever they're at right now. So um, second chance points, all that kind of stuff, they, they've got to cut it off. And I don't trust them to do that to the tune of beating this team by nine points. The Spurs are taking care of the ball on their end. They're they're covering, uh, you know, in the spots that they need to. And there's it's not that hard to cover this Timberwolves spacing right now, uh, which is just, like I said, 
said, non-existent uh, and, and really atrocious. So points, yes. I, I think this game definitely goes 230. Once you start talking about 235, I get a little bit nervous. But I think I'm, I'm taking the nine points here, Nate, and then I'm, I'm actually going to watch this one a little bit live, bet that uh, total if I can, and see if that first quarter starts a little bit slowly or fast and, and kind of uh, make my predictions from there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense based on what I said with the uh, fourth quarter scoring versus the Spurs yeah. and the expectation that, you know, Pop kind of joked like, oh, we're not even coming on Wednesday. Like he's he's having fun with this season right now. Uh, he understands the ebb and flow of the NBA and that the Wolves are going to be gunning for them at this point. Um, I, I mean, there are other ways to just bet on the offense bouncing back or at least maintaining what they did on Monday and D'Lo, who's taking on a lot more ball handling responsibilities, playmaking this year um, and kind of carrying it early without Ant. He's only at 18 and a half points, uh, nearly even money there. I don't mind taking the over there. He went for 25, five and seven in this Monday matchup. D'Lo 25 points again in the win is plus 400 or about plus 200 for 20 points in the win. I think you could sprinkle on both of those. Um, or, you know, Cat double-double again. He has put up some big lines against the Spurs. He is a self-proclaimed leader, as you uh, like to talk about, and as he likes to talk about himself in the third person, basically. And and he went out there in the post game and talked about how Anthony Edwards needs to clean up his diet and, and uh, be in better shape and play better, which, is, you know, fair enough. But I, I don't sure. see why you need to say that on the podium. Right. Uh, but now he has to go back back up his leadership with a nice performance here at home if he is the the leader of this team. So I think looking at Cat and D'Lo, Anthony Edwards has not had good numbers against the Spurs historically. Um, I don't know if it's what they do with the coaching staff or what you know Kelton Johnson and company can do on the on the court uh, to actually contain him. But I think the Spurs are going to be kind of a, an easy target for point guards all year without Dejounte uh, as they mix in those young guys, uh, Primo and. Trey Jones. So I think D'Lo has another solid game here. That's why I look at his props and, and the Wolves winning because of his offense production. Yeah, no, I'm with it. And then a couple other shooters, including obviously adding Dougie McDermott playing pretty well. So I think there's some things like on the Spurs. It's still, it's not a great roster, man, but there's a uh, Kellen Johnson and Vassell, uh, you know, Devin Vassell, they're playing above their, their uh, pay grade for sure. Um, and, and Pirtles, you know, shooting 60% from the field. So if, if Pirtles, you know, if, if he's going to play that well, maybe he's not going to be the subject uh, of a trade later this season. We'll see either way, nine points too much in this one after a game where they just beat the, the, the T-Wolves by nine points. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into some of these player props we got on this 10-game Wednesday night slate in the NBA. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam against the Sixers here, um, a.k.a. the worst transition D 
in history through four games. We've seen allowing 19 fast break points per game, allowing opponents to shoot 58% inside the arc and allowing a league high 14.3 boards per game to power forwards. So uh, Pascal, I like the rebounds and assists most here, 14 and a half. He's just putting up numbers across the board. Um, you get five and a half assists at even money, or you can get 38 and a half PRA. I don't have a problem with that. I think we're just a little scarred. I think last year we picked his PRA like three times and he was one short or something or every half. single time. Yeah. yeah. They were just like right there. But this year is a contract year for, for spicy P and he is absolutely attacking it. Uh, I guess I'll pull a Josh and be like, I'm glad I took him in the third round of my fantasy drafts because he's putting up numbers. That's um, interesting, Nate. I care about that. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Solid pick. Um, but what he's averaging this year, 26 and a half points, 10 boards, seven assists. So that's good for like 43 PRA, 41 if you just go per 36 minutes. And we we know what Nick Nurse does with his starters is just play him. And he's played 44 minutes in three straight against the Sixers. 44 minutes, uh, averaging 27, 8, and 6, shooting 54% from the floor and had a triple-double in the last regular season matchup against this team. Just saying that because it's plus 1,300 for a triple-double. Uh, not, not necessarily saying that's li- that likely, but uh, yeah, there are plenty of angles here, including plus 600 for 30 points in a Raptors win. Really, I, I like the even money bets here. I just think he's going to put up peripheral stats um, yeah. that the Sixers aren't really there yet, and and they've always been a bad rebounding team over the last few years. That And Bede's health isn't there yet, so they're not protecting the paint as well as they should. And we know how bad their perimeter defense is with Harden and Maxi out there. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking for usage, right? Like a, a lot of th- who's got the ball in their hands uh, and who, who's going to be, uh, you know, involved in the offense. You hate picking a prop and you just, you, you don't see the guy involved in the game. That's never, it's not going to be the case with Pascal. Uh, and then, like you said, transition is, is really what you love for him um, as he's a guy who, you know, loves to get those boards and then run. So, because he can't, uh, as, su- as super versatile as he is, he's, he's a tweener matchup problem for a lot of guys. And, and you know, there's really no one on, on the 76ers that I think matches up well with him. So I'm, I'm with you on the Pascal uh, and, and those hustle stats too. So um, I'm going to go to a guy here who I'm not really going to bother with the uh, the hustle stats with KD, Nate, uh, as the Nets are taking on those bucks. Uh, and my man just likes to score when he's on, you know, in, in the limelight and playing against a team like the Bucks. 29 and a half points is a high, high prop. Um don't love taking 30 point props, but it's KD and I really don't feel too nervous about it. He's averaging right uh, nearly 33 a game already. And also, I should say that that minus 106 on FanDuel is the best place to find that 29 and a half points as we're recording this for KD. You can talk about his boards at six and a half. That's really great odds at plus 114 there. Also on FanDuel, um, he does do that a lot against the Bucs uh, in his last last two season regular season games against them last year. 33 and a half points, nine boards, six assists. Actually, I should say that's his last four total matchups, including the playoffs um, on, on 50, 37 splits right from the field and, and from three. So this year shooting 55 percent from the field. Field overall, not as great from deep uh, at about 33%. You'd like to see him get that up. It's like two for six a game right now for him, but he's going to the line nine times. So eight for nine from, from, from the free throw line right there. If he's going to get nine free throw attempts or 10 free throw attempts, I think, you know, and, and he's going to continue to crash. Uh, I think, you know, you've got to love his ability to get over that 30 point mark uh, with that 34% usage rate, man. And it's starting to seem like uh, no fun is really being had in Brooklyn, similar to LA, as we've talked about with the Lakers and guys like KD, Kyrie, 
uh, LeBron. Might as well just pat those stats at this point because those teams, uh, their two teams do not look ready for a, a meaningful playoff run. Yeah, I know you're kind of scared off the peripheral stats, the hustle stats for Mr. Durant because of what he's shown the first four games here. But I think he does come to play um, in this particular matchup. I do kind of like the plus money for seven rebounds. I mean, if he doesn't board, the Nets aren't going to have any chance of this game. And he's got to mix it up and get down there. But I understand the risk here because there is a chance he's just kind of mentally checked out and just going to be like, yep, I'll score effortlessly. But I'm not really doing anything else for this team. Um, but he does score effortlessly. Like you said, 30 points is scary for some guys. Not for KD, especially because the Bucks, like Giannis doesn't necessarily check him much of the game, which doesn't make sense because now without P.J. Tucker, they really don't have a good matchup for him. So I don't I don't know who's going to guard him. Uh, he should have his way along with Kyrie. Uh, also liking some peripheral stats here for DeJounte Murray against the Pistons. And this one does make me nervous. I would say I would recommend a small play because I think the Pistons could get blown out on the second half of the back-to-back. They've been really bad. I mean, but they've been really bad on defense. And that's the key here. So bad, in fact, that the Hawks, who have been really trying to figure out the your turn, my turn thing with two elite point guards on their team, might give DeJounte a little more usage here. I mean, that's the biggest concern for his numbers, right? Moving from San Antonio Usage has dropped from 27 to 23%. His per 36 numbers are still respectable, 18, 7, and 8. Um, so 7 and 8 gets you to 15 and a half rebounds slash assists, which is where his prop is at right now. But he's playing 39 minutes per game, so he's averaging over that, over those per 36 numbers. Uh, and then, yeah, you look at the matchup, just Detroit, 25th in points allowed, fast break points, and assist to turnover ratio, they're dead last in scoring margin. They're tired on a back-to-back. They allow the third most assists to point guards, fourth most rebounds to point guards, and top 10 in point guards and shooting guards scoring with Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham figuring out the defensive side of the ball. Um, so also can look at DeJounte to hit two threes here, getting nice minus 100. 102 at FanDuel, that is, uh, for him to do that. I just think he'll get a few more touches a few more opportunities, um, you know, hopefully even if it does get a little bit out of hand. I mean, each game has been a double-digit margin for the Hawks thus far, but DeJounte's still playing 39 minutes, like I said. So I think they are just trying to get him used to this new surrounding, and they will give him a little more usage here in an easy matchup. Yeah, no, I, it's 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 working out. The, I think the backcourts, it's working out. It's going to work out. Uh, I think DeJounte needs a little bit more time for sure. Trey's kind of just like, yo, I'm already here doing my thing. He hasn't really changed the way he's playing. He's probably gotten better, to be honest with you, uh, has Trey. And he's already having a better shooting season than last year. All of that leads you to just feel pretty good about DeJounte uh, and and all those peripheral stats for him, hustle stats and everything, because he is getting all of those uh, you know rebounds and assists as well. It's 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 awesome to watch actually the fact that he and Trey are both able to get their assists the way that they are. So I, I'm I'm never gonna I don't think I'm gonna be scared of 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 you know props like um, you know seven assists for him or or eight boards like at times in in the right matchup um, like like they'll have tonight. I think DeJounte is gonna be a, a stud for sure all season. So. So let's finish things off with the reigning two-time MVP, 
Nikola Jokic, uh, who just came off uh, the the very uh, heart, the elusive nine 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 game for Joker, uh, mostly due to foul trouble. Right, only played twenty seven minutes. It's those nine, it's those nine <laughs> points that that you look at. Um, who that's that's the uh, the Andre Karolinko special, right, where he just gets a ton of stats in each of those categories. Only twenty seven minutes, the foul trouble. Um, Aaron Gordon had a really good game, incidentally, uh, as they were able to, to to maintain that win against, uh, or excuse me, as they were not able to to pull out the win against the Blazers there because of that 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 foul trouble for Jokic so I think he's he's going to come back with a pretty nice vengeance tonight he usually plays pretty well against the Lakers and definitely you know you you like the 12 and a half boards here at minus 102 on FanDuel I like that as well uh he's averaging that right essentially this season but he's also uh just does that against the Lakers he knows that you know he can body every single player on their team there's nobody strong enough or big enough uh to play with him if they dare to play uh you know AD at the five against him it's going to be night night time he's going to be doing a lot of what he likes to do down there um um, so, yeah, I think there's just a lot of motivation for him in this game as well. I like the, the points, rebounds, and assists, 46 and a half. Um, I, you know, I see him getting, you know, close to 30 points and, and the 13 rebounds or so feel like a, a pretty nice uh, bet for him as well. So, obviously, you, you expect him to get the three three assists at that point, if my math is correct. Um, so, I'm not I'm not scared about any of that stuff because I think he's going to dominate at least two of those categories and points, rebounds, and assists to get above 47 of them. Yeah, props are a little low for Joker. Um, because of what he's coming off here. Yeah, but that's just kind of like extra rest. And you look at what he did with even two days of rest last year, uh, he averaged 15 boards, go along with 27 and a half points. He also averaged 15 boards in two games against this version of the awful Lakers, who just miss a ton of shots. And that's really the key here. Uh, is the Lakers are dead last in offensive rating. They have a 97 offensive rating. That is six points per 100 possession worse than any other team in the NBA. So uh, and there's still uh, so there's going to be plenty of bricks out there for Jokic to rebound. And if Aaron Gordon's tangling with Anthony Davis, yeah, if the Lakers do play a traditional center, uh, it's just Jokic gobbling up those boards. Uh, so that's why I think at even money. That's where I go first. But I, I think the safest play is the PRA because he should fill it up all around here. I agree. Uh, I also wanted to talk about this game and in one of our game videos, but I think we have a pretty strict no Nets and Lakers in the same show or day of, of games policy. So we, we went with the Nets on that one. Uh, Joker, a good bet against these Lakers, though. So that is all the time we have for you guys today. Continue to follow along. We are staying super hot so far. I believe we went about 4-1 and one last night, 4-0 the night before. Um, definitely staying well above 500, closer to 75% on these player props. So definitely continue to follow along with us each and every weekday of this regular season and until we see you next happy betting <laughs>